Is your Shopify store ready for the biggest selling season of the year? Bold Commerce has some of the best apps to use during the holiday season to increase the size of almost all your orders. Maybe you're looking to run store-wide sales with countdown timers. Boom! Bold Discounts will run your scheduled promos with just a few clicks. No coupon codes required. Or maybe you're looking to maximize average order value. You could count on Bold Upsell, Bold Motivator, and Bold Bundles. With Bold Upsell, you can offer product upgrade cross-sales or complimentary products as free gifts. With Bold Bundles, you can boost average order value by bundling a few products or an entire collection so that your customers can mix and match items to get a discount. Hey, when was the last time you made an online purchase and saw a message like, spend 15 more dollars for free shipping? With Bold Motivator, you can do that same thing and more. Offer free shipping, free product, or even a percentage off the entire order. The best part is it's geolocated so it only shows offers in relevant countries. Pick and choose which apps are best for you, or use them all to boost conversion and average order value. With free bold apps for 14 days, there's no excuse not to try and boost your sales this holiday season. To get this special offer as an unofficial Shopify podcast listener, go to boldcommerce.com slash Kurt. That's boldcommerce.com slash K-U-R-T. What's the number one customer support request you get? I bet it's, hey, where's my order? My friends at Ventov, Makers of SEO Meta Manager have a solution for this. It's called Order Lookup, and it lets customers look up their orders, right, good name, with either their email or order number, reducing the order inquiries you get in your inbox. We use it on our own high-volume Shopify Plus client stores like Hoonigan and Yvonne Stells to provide real-time order info to customers with a fully customizable order lookup page so you can keep that thing on brand. And hey, if you're a dropshipper, it even works with ePacket. You can get a seven-day free trial when you search Order Lookup in the App Store. On today's episode of the Unofficial Shopify Podcast, we are going to talk through one couple's entrepreneurial journey. See, it was not long ago that they did not have a Shopify store or a product business or any of these things and have now, being just a mere mortals, have been able to successfully develop a niche product, market it on Kickstarter, uh, teach themselves manufacturing, get a multi-currency, so multi-country site working, and have it be successful. Oh my gosh, they have done everything we hope for in an entrepreneurial journey. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, a.k.a. Jack Nasty. And joining me is Jonathan Denholm from Your Teacher's Pet Creature. Jonathan, thank you. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. How are you? Uh, pretty well. Shot out of a cannon. I'm excited. I mean, truthfully, th- so this episode, people hear this in December, but we're recording this exactly seven days before Black Friday. So we're like down mm-hmm. to the wire. I At this point, I no longer sleep. I just sit and I pray to the gods of e-commerce and shipping. That's all we're doing in my house. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. We uh, we don't do Black Friday specials ourselves, so uh, this is a pretty relaxing time of year for me. We're, uh, yeah, we're another month before we hit our busy period. You're, uh, what, uh, what happens that your busy period is a month? Wait, talk me through that. You can't just drop that in my dojo and I don't, not ask a follow-up. You're like, eh, Black Friday, whatever. But by the way, in January, things go wild. Wh- what? 
So our, uh, our product is aimed specifically at teachers, early childhood teachers. So our busy period is school holidays, which uh, for you guys in the US is, you know, that time. But um, I guess for us in Australia, that's the beginning of the school year. So it just, yeah, it goes crazy for us then. And then in the middle of the year, when it's the beginning of the school year for you guys, it goes crazy for us again. Okay. So it's uh, it's planning for the following academic uh, year that you have your, your big selling season. Yeah, we sell consistently through the year, but that's when it just goes, you know, 10x for, for two months at a time. And then, yeah, goes back to sort of a more calm pace after that. All right. So let's discuss what we're discussing. What is your teacher's pet creature? Uh, it is a, a pet that uh, teachers could adopt for the classroom. We have two versions of it at the moment. So one they can adopt to teach their students classroom management. So there's a book and a teddy. Um, I guess the shortcut is Elf on a Shelf. Um, so it's similar to that. The teddy is designed to sit on the shelf or the teacher's desk and act as the classroom pet. Um, the kids bond with it. They read the story. They learn the classroom rules. Um, and then it sort of is there as a bit of a teacher's aid throughout the year, a visual reminder um, of everything they've learned. And there's a bunch of different resources the teachers can also buy from us to go along with it to help in that education piece. Uh, and since we're an audio-only podcast, describe to me what this fellow looks like. What I'm staring at an illustration of it. Yeah, so uh, there's a blue uh, monster or a purple monster. So the blue monster is the, the classroom management. The purple one is the emotional regulation. And we have two more monsters launching next year, but um, just a little blue guy with wings. He's fluffy. He's cute. He was designed to be cuddly, basically, and hopefully we achieved that. Yeah, he's got, uh, he is a uh, little like Mc McDonald's Grimace, but uh, looking thing vaguely but like that. Like if Grimace were the father and like a bat creature were the mother, maybe a Pokemon. I'm not well versed in my Pokemon. My children would be disappointed <laughs> in me. Uh, good. Uh, and so when, well, what is the purpose of this thing? You say, well, we go, you know, things go crazy. People, uh, teachers buy these things. Why are teachers mm -hmm. buying them? Um, it's basically a, a, a cute and easy method to implement. Uh, strategies to manage your classroom so instead of having you know a thousand reward charts or having to give out lollies or you know stickers or whatever as a way to keep the class I guess uh, on track and learning to their best this is a sort of all-in-one sort of system that they can use and it lasts the whole year uh, and it's just a, an easy to implement strategy so that they can focus on teaching the, the other skills rather than trying to manage the classroom all the time and so it really it's it's more than just like hey here's a plush toy it's this this plush creature combined mm -hmm. with a, a book, and then the, the book is based on, um, well, what, what goes in? There's a book that goes with it. What's in the book? Yeah, so it's um, it's just a, a, it's written in sort of a rhyming verse, something that the kids will remember. Um, depending on which one you get, it just really introduces the pet to the class. It gives them a chance to name the pet, um, which is a fun sort of thing that the class will do together. And then it just goes on to implement, uh, well, I guess, to introduce some of the the strategies that the teacher is going to be using throughout the year. So if we're talking the emotional regulation one, it sort of talks through the kids through the tools that they can use to control their emotions. Or if it's classroom management, it sort of introduces a couple of the basic rules that teachers would use in the classroom and just gives them room for the teacher to sort of introduce it in a way that works for them. And how long has this been a going concern? When did this start? Classroom management? No, <laughs> no your teacher's pet. Uh, we started our Kickstarter in 2018, late 2018. 
Um, so we did that and then uh, it probably took six to eight months from there to have all of the product in hand and that's when we launched our Shopify site. Okay. And where did the idea come from? Uh, <laughs> uh, we initially tried uh, starting a dropshipping store for teaching resources and it just wasn't working for us. So we, uh, me and my wife sat down. She's a teacher. Um, I have a, a degree in writing that I wasn't using. Um, and we just sort of said, what can we come up with? What's a product we can make that nobody else is doing so that we don't have to be uh, competing and selling exactly the same thing everyone else is doing that's going to make a teacher's life easier? So just a little bit of brainstorming um, and this is what we came up with. So you, So your wife's a teacher? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, she was. She now does this full time. All right. So she was a, in 2018. She was still a mm-hmm. teacher. That's right. And uh, did you have a day job? I do, and yeah, I did, and I do. Okay. And did were there any skills in that that played into this? Um, I work in um, like account management and sales for a big tech company. Um, so, I mean, maybe some of the database sort of decision making and those sorts of things. Um, but you know, but as far like as the actual directly ma- applicable. No, nothing. Okay. No. And what was the what was the thing that made you say, let's try to start our own online store? Because you said you had a, a dropshipping business before, and the niche was still classroom management. Uh, it was just more teaching resources in general. Okay. So, yeah, much more broad. Yeah. Uh, but I guess the idea behind us wanting to start a business that we could do together was um, we were about to, uh, I guess, well, we just had our first kid, um, and we knew we were going to be having more. And my wife wanted to work from home, uh, so that was the, I guess, the genesis for for starting a business. So really, it's just I think for a lot of people, um, it, it it's not a lot of people aren't when they start a business and they they go through this because it's a ton of work. Um, your your entrepreneurial journey for most people, the the original goals often aren't something like you know I, I want a twenty bedroom house and a villa in Tuscany and I want to drive cars where the doors go up. It's like hey, I just want. I just want independence. I want freedom. I want to work from home. I want to spend time with my kids. Like, there's just a lot of very reasonable things. I think, uh, like, income goals originally, was it like, hey, let's make a million dollars or, hey, let's just replace our existing income so we could quit and be our own bosses? Yeah, exactly, exactly that. It's just let's replace our own income. Um, so we're halfway there. We've replaced hers, and, yeah, um, we're halfway to replacing mine. So, Oh, that's sweet. I love to hear it. The... <laughs> Okay, so we have, so you start the dropshipping store, 2018. What does that look like? And what made you say, this is like, let's try something else, but in the same space? The dropshipping store just wasn't working. I think we'd done maybe 10 sales in in four months. Like it just wasn't, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) it was bad. Um, But it was the same products that everybody's selling. Like it was just dropshipping straight from Alibaba. It was just sensory toys and things like that. It's stuff that people were probably already going directly to Alibaba to buy themselves. Like it wasn't, we didn't really understand what we were doing and it was, looking back, it was never going to work. But what it did was it sort of, I guess, gave us the, the launching pad to do what we're doing. We, we definitely wanted to stay in that niche because it's where my wife is an expert. It's, that's, that's what she's trained in, and she was the one that was wanting to start the business initially. So um, it, was just, it was just an obvious choice. And was there anything like, that kicked it off? Like, uh, I, talked, I recorded an episode with uh, John Murphy from eBike Generation who does dropshipping, and he said, well, it started the way it starts for everybody. I read the four-hour work week and thought, well, I could dropship. Right. No, we didn't. Um, uh, yeah, I don't even know. It literally, we didn't do any sort of 
research or anything in terms of uh, how to make money online. We never, you know, we didn't Google any of that. It just was literally, uh, we want to be able to work from home. Um, let's sell something to teachers. It's, yeah, it's as simple as that. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. No, that's fine. So you said, you said, hey, this is the thing we want to do. So like, let's, let's start mm-hmm. our side hustle and see where that goes. And go with what you know. And so you knew you had experience and understanding um, of for teachers. And then, so you start the dropshipping store, really just winging it. It seems like you didn't, mm-hmm. you're like, you, you didn't know what you didn't know. And that's what enabled you to try it and fail. Um, and then from there, you said, okay, this isn't working, but let's, let's try something similar. And so you went to, you went from dropshipping to manufacture your own product. Like there's, there are intermediary steps there normally because um, manufacturing your product also incredibly difficult. Uh, is this another situation of you didn't know what you didn't know? That's exactly what it is. Yeah, that's kind of the philosophy that we've taken throughout this whole journey, really. Um, we don't really, I'm the sort of person that if I think the steps through too much, and this probably is going to kill anyone who's got any sort of business qualification, but if I think the steps through too much, it just, it seems like too big of a goal and I never take that first step. So we kind of just keep trying things and um, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We try something else. We're, we're, we've sort of got a fail fast mentality and it's worked for us so far. You know, I, I like that approach because if you're honest with yourself about it and realistic with it, it could be incredibly practical and freeing. Like if you're like a real type A personality and you sit down and you go, all right, I'm going to plan out the next 10 years of my life step by step and in order. It, you just bog yourself down depending on your personality. Um, and then like that wouldn't work for me. Like you, I, I think your approach is similar to, to my worldview and that like you have these long-term goals and you know what your priorities are, and you know what you want for you and your family. Aha, okay. Then you back into that with, all right, let's, you know, it does this action, does this project, does this task, tactic, whatever, feed that goal. Yes, no, yes, try it. Did it work? No, all right, next thing. Did it work? Yes, great. And it's just not a complicated decision tree, and it may not be the most sophisticated thing in the world. You know, I don't know that uh, that strategy gets you to a, you know, a billion dollar business, but it certainly does work for like a really uh, a a lifestyle business that's nothing to sneeze at for sure. Yeah, I would agree. And then I mean, the risk we were taking to to get us started really was was fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars, or something like in Australian dollars. I don't know what that equals in your fancy US money, but um, <laughs> well, you know, we, we yeah. use nothing but cryptocurrency now. If you ask Twitter, right. <laughs> uh, so yeah the, the, the risk wasn't huge in terms of needing to plan it out that far all we need to do is get a couple of samples together and some illustrations to be able to launch the kickstarter so that's what we did and if we do the conversion on that you you uh, spent between 1100 and about 1500 us dollars yeah which, not yeah. a huge not a huge amount to start a business really yeah it's not going it really it's, it's not going to bankrupt anybody it's not like a you need to take out a second mortgage on your house kind of thing um and again it's it's that like more more practical um, you know, let's try it and see what happens mentality. The, but what, so what was the, the next step? Like, where did the idea come from? Uh, it literally just came from discussion. So I sat down, I literally interviewed my wife. Um, <laughs> um, it just, I don't know why, but that's what we did. I sat down, I asked her questions for a couple of hours and we just really mapped out what we could do, how we could approach it. Um, there was a, there's a product out there and teachers would be, uh, probably aware of it called warm fuzzies and they're literally just circle bits of, um, um, 
felt. I don't know, cotton, cotton wool-looking things that are just colourful and furry. Um, and teachers would use those as a classroom management tool. If you're being too loud, as an example, they would take it away because these little creatures don't like noise, right? So <laughs> I guess that was sort of the, the genesis of an idea. How do we make that bigger and cuter and better and, and more all-encompassing? Um, and so I sat down and I interviewed her and we fleshed out everything that it would need to be and, um, you know, came out the other end with, with a fully fleshed product idea. And then we just had to bring it to life. So you really did. It wasn't like a painter problem. You just sat down and started thinking through, okay, what works based on her experience in teaching? And you were the sounding board going back and forth and try to do uh, like essentially customer development or product development by interviewing her. Exactly that. Yeah. That's very interesting. And there's still no uh, like framework approach. We're not like buying info products and joining masterminds. It's just thinking it through rationally on your own. Yeah, I mean, you make it sound so simple, but that was basically what we did. Okay. Well, I think a lo- I think that's important because it, I think it's very easy to overcomplicate things. And I think a lot of the time people really are just looking for someone to give them permission. And that's mm-hmm. where, you know, it's like, all right, well, if I, if I understand this, if I read this book, if I join this course, then suddenly I'll have permission to be this entrepreneur. And really it's like you could just decide to take action and try it and see what happens. Um, yeah, I feel like that's my dirty little secret. I've not paid for a single piece of um, training or, or education and uh, on sort of e-commerce since starting it two years ago. And yet, you know, I've, I do all the digital marketing. We've, you know, launched the whole website. We did a Kickstarter. It's all just been podcasts, free training content. And that's all we've done to bring it to life. The And like you say, that's all we've done. But there's a ton of work here. There um, is. <laughs> okay, so we've got, you come up with the idea. Did you do anything to vet it or did you jump straight to can we try to make this yeah we jumped straight to it um we got an illustrator to (laughs) uh we sent him the words for the book i wrote the book i sent the illustrator the words he came up with a couple of different illustrators till we found one that did a design that we liked based off the description in the book went back and forth until we had that sent the illustration to a manufacturer and said can you turn this into a teddy okay so you started with the story and you're a writer Mm -hmm. or you have I have a writing experience. Yes. yes. And so you, I have a degree that I wasn't using, so I decided yeah. to use it. So you were able to use that experience, though. Um, mm-hmm. So you have an advantage there. So you wrote the book, self-publish, get it or get it illustrated. Um, you're able to self-publish it. And then, so like that's not terrifying part. You know, it's fairly standard to manufacture a book. Because publishing a book, that's what it is. You're, you're manufacturing a book. The scary part here is you've got to manufacture the, the creature. The pet creature, the, the plush toy that goes with it. How does that work? A lot of trial and error. Um, I think we went through, we just, I mean, we did what everyone does when they're looking for a supplier. We, we went on uh, Alibaba um, and we typed in plush manufacturer. Um, we, yeah, I read a blog post on how to make sure you don't get ripped off. Um, I'm not sure whether it helped or not, but, uh, but we didn't get ripped off. So um, I guess it did. Um, and we got samples from four, five different manufacturers. Um, we got them shipped to us. We checked them for quality, um, different little things. My wife's quite picky when it comes to quality of the product. So we uh, we went through it with a fine-tooth comb and found a supplier we were happy with and um, placed an order once the Kickstarter was funded. So you had – what did you supply them with where you're like, here's – because normally when we have these discussions, it's like, well, you know, I had to get um, – you know, I had to have a CAD file. I had somebody had to figure out how SolidWorks works and develop, you know, this 3D render of the product so that we could supply it to, you know, one of five manufacturers. And then, you know, of the five, only one actually sent us the sample. 
Yeah, no, we just got the Illustrator to draw the front, the back, the side view of the creature um, in a specific way, and then we just sent that to the supplier, and from that they turned it into a 3D plush. So, yeah, I think we're quite lucky. We did get quite lucky in the fact that the product that we idea that we'd come up with was quite simple to bring to life um, in that way. We didn't have to, you know, learn anything new to, to be able to do that. Yeah, really, it's, all right, so like component one is the book, which as long as you have the creative skills or could find the creative uh, which is the writing and the illustration. Okay, and the layout. And, all right, not easy to create a book. I don't want to minimize that. Uh, but like, it, it's less intimidating as far as creating a physical thing goes. And then as far as the, the, the physical creature that goes with it, it's a plush toy. And so I, I guess with, if you find someone who's an experienced plush manufacturer, they're able to go from an illustration, go, yeah, I could bring that to life. Because I, I suppose that is probably how they're approached most of the time. I mean- I have three kids. There is like a, a small army of plush toys in my basement. And it, it's interesting to see how they, they execute, you know, like 2D creature to 3D. It works pretty well. There's a lot of Marios in my basement that I'm impressed by. <laughs> yeah, I think we've got the same thing here with Marvel characters with uh, with my three-year-old. But um, I think the, the real secret is probably just Upwork. I, I cannot speak more highly of a website than Upwork. Just to hire the person who was able to do the book layout in InDesign for us to be able to get it printed without any issues. The illustrator who did the illustrations for us was from Upwork. Um, yeah, like everyone that we've hired to do things that we haven't been able to do ourselves has been through Upwork and it's just made, essentially made it all possible, I Interesting. guess. Okay, so you've had uh, great experiences augmenting your skills. So the things that you couldn't do, you just go on Upwork and you post you like you know I've never actually used Upwork. I've recommended it to people plenty of times. I've never personally used it. Use it a lot, and I think that's probably one of the skills I was able to bring from my job. Is um, I do a lot of hiring, um, okay. so being able to vet people on Upwork, even though it's digitally rather than uh, you know in person like I would do in my day job, it's uh, definitely I guess made it a lot easier being able to find the right people fairly quickly. And so that's definitely that's a skill. That's a thing people. Um, well, it's certainly, I, I think it's intimidating to hire someone, especially for the first time, and like hiring a contractor for the first time. All right, now I gotta maybe you know hire a, a, an agency like a team or engage a manufacturer like that. That's a large, that's a team. Um, talk me through. G- give me a few bullet points for someone who is not as experienced with hiring. Here's here's how to avoid disaster. Here's what to do right. Um, I think be as clear as you can in the job post. Um, and if you're not sure how to write it, go and uh, have a look on LinkedIn or Seek and look at how they write their job ads and literally just steal the format. Um, be super clear in what you're looking for. Um, be super clear in what they should be like. Um, Upwork does a really good job as well of um, obviously providing reviews on previous work and you can filter who can apply for the job based on how successful they've been at past jobs, how much work they've actually done on the platform. So that does a lot of the work for you. Um, and then you, you can set custom questions. So you can be really specific um, and test them basically if you want um, in terms of what their skills are and, and that sort of stuff. And it can make it very, very easy just to filter through the thousands of applications you'll get for your job posting to the five or 10 people that might actually be a good fit for you and your business. Okay. And so that's how, for the stuff you didn't know how to do, you didn't learn it. You went and just went outsourced the work to Upwork. Uh, for the manufacturing process, it's easier with a plush toy. And so it sounds like you engaged, you took a, a similar approach to how you hired on Upwork. You went and engaged several of them, uh, bought samples, and then they, when they shipped them to you, then 
pick the the best of the group? Yeah, basically. So you're right. Yeah, it is a very similar process to what we did in Upwork. Yeah. Excuse me. Do you know where Fourth Street is? Yeah, up here. Make right. Or uh, no, make left. No, no, make a right. Man, this person doesn't know what she's talking about. But you know who does know what they're talking about? Zipify Pages, the most powerful landing page and sales funnel builder on Shopify. All their templates are tested and proven by a $100 million e-commerce brand. So you know their stuff actually works. Finally, someone who knows what they're talking about. You can copy entire templates like opt-in pages, product pages, or holiday promos. Or use the drag and drop builder to create your own custom layouts then publish your pages directly onto your Shopify store. That means no plugins and no subdomains. So setup is easy and tracking is even easier. And you don't need a designer or developer. Plus all pages are optimized for mobile and built-in split testing helps you maximize your results. It's no wonder Zipify Pages is used by over 5,700 Shopify merchants. To start your 14-day free trial, go to zipify.com slash Kurt. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T. And to get an unadvertised gift, email help at zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. Now, having uh, talked to people many times about this who've been through this, but having never done it myself on man- getting something manufactured overseas, sight unseen, one of the the places where things can go wrong is the samples all end up being better or significantly better than what the actual, what ends up being delivered at the end of the day. Did you run into this? Yes. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So the biggest issue we had was with actually the books. I know you mentioned how uh, it's it's simple, but the book quality was was horrible um, on the first run. So I reckon probably four in every ten books we couldn't use in that first book run. Oh, just issues no. with the pages and marks and printing issues and stuff. Um, so we've actually since switched from printing our books in China to printing them in Malaysia, uh, which is closer to Australia. So we get them quicker. It's better quality, and it's actually no more expensive, uh, particularly when you factor in the cost of the faulty products. Um, so that was something we learned pretty quickly. Was um, yeah, that was that was an issue. Um, when it came to the plush, the quality of the sample is probably equivalent to the best quality in the plushes that we received, but there is a bit of a range. Um, so we had to get creative. Um, not as high of a faulty rate as what we have with the books, but probably uh, maybe a, a 2% um, faulty rate, whether that's just the hands being stitched on upside down or just a little bit of a hole in the product. Um, not much we could do there without um, hiring a company who's going to be able to vet the supplies in person and that sort of stuff. And I guess at that stage, we really didn't have the funds to be able to sort of do that. So we just sort of worked that into our cost. So we know, okay, 2% faulty rate, we just add that to the cost of the product. Um, and it eventually turned into a bit of a win. What we do once a year now is we do a, an imperfect sale, a bit of a runt of the litter sale. So uh, 45% off and the teacher can buy a replacement plush or, you know, um, or just get basically a really good deal. And it's, you know, we just have a listing on the website that shows what the common faults are and, and they can pick themselves up a bargain. So we end up selling those anyway. Okay. And then the way... Coming up with the idea seems to be the easy part. Getting it manufactured hard, treacherous potentially in terms of you, you may and you may not necessarily be happy with the end product that you pay for. Um, but if you throw enough money at it, like no matter what, you could get your thing manufactured. Now the truly tough part is getting anyone to care, is going out 
and, and selling it. Because if you just go like throw up the store with this brand new idea, it's going to be crickets. No one's going to show up. And it sounds like your move to announce it was uh, Kickstarter. Yes. To go with crowdfunding. Tell me about that. Well, did you, timeline-wise, did you have the product in hand when you did the Kickstarter, or do you go Kickstarter, then manufacture? Yeah, we had a sample of the book, and we had a sample of the plush. That okay. was it, but it was enough to take photos um, and bring it to life. Um, I have some basic Photoshop skills, so I was able to mock up a few things to make the Kickstarter look good and all that sort of stuff. So we had minimum viable product, I guess is what, what they would call it, but um, but that was all we had. So the approach was uh, that we withdraw to Kickstarter and get enough funding for the first order and that's literally what we send the kickstarter here's the product here's what we're using the money for um we'll ship it out to you what and we didn't sorry what was your kickstarter goal uh it was eight thousand dollars so eight thousand so, australian fifty eight hundred us what mm-hmm. did it close at uh well once we got over the eight thousand we stopped pushing it um, we didn't want to pay the exorbitant 10% Kickstarter uh, payment processing fees once we'd had enough to place that first order and we switched straight over to our Shopify from there, basically. So once we hit a goal, we just kind of left it at that. Okay, so as soon as you hit the goal, then you put it live on Shopify and started accepting pre-orders? Uh, no, we literally just stopped. <laughs> we wouldn't do it again if this was my approach, um, but we literally just stopped. We then figured out how to launch the website um, and do it all. And then we processed all the orders um, at $0 through the Shopify backend. And then probably uh, two weeks before the stock actually arrived, then we opened up the website for sales. So not how I do it now, but but that's what we did at the time. So on Kickstarter, you sold 125 of them, which I think my guess is what, like 120 was the goal. Mm-hmm. And that was enough to to place the first order and mm-hmm. see like, all right, can we run through our first run of inventory? It kept it intentionally small. Um, and it seems like the, the big uh, friction point here was not necessarily getting all the units and being conservative. It was not wanting to pay the 10% processing fee to Kickstarter. Look, yeah, at the time, I mean, $8,000 in sales was more than we thought we'd ever do. Um, obviously, uh, far cry from what we do now, but yeah, at the time, that that ten percent fee on the you know whatever whether we did another eight, eight grand in sales was a lot of money back then so we thought no let's yeah and yeah we we make mistakes we learn we move on well it's you know and it, it's intimidating too like when you you're first getting into it and people start giving you money and you see like wow there's a lot of people who are trusting me here with just handing me this cash with the expectation that I'll deliver and I remember like the first time I sold a website for like I think it was like seven grand. And I thought, I'm like, is this even legal? Like, could you do this? I couldn't believe it. And so I understand that, yeah, that initial, like sometimes the the first taste of success is a little little scary, <laughs> a little intimidating. It's also, um, t- teachers also don't really know how to use Kickstarter. So there was a little bit of that. It was a hard, we had to educate them not just on our product, but on how Kickstarter worked as well. Um, Interesting. So it was also, yeah, it was, yeah, obviously some teachers know how to use it, but in general, the, as a broad sweeping statement, the, uh, yeah, teachers don't really know how to use Kickstarter, so. And was was Kickstarter your only funded, your only funding? Yes, yeah, we've never uh, taken any outside funding or anything whatsoever. Yeah, Ooh, just fully that. bootstrapped. I like Fully it. bootstrapped, yeah. We uh, had a credit card with two grand on it, and that's how we got started, and uh, yeah, that's all we've done. So did you do anything to market the, the Kickstarter? Yeah, um, we actually got really lucky in that. So um, I had no idea how to do digital marketing. I didn't know how to use Facebook ads or Google ads or any of that stuff back then. Um, So we picked up a trestle table and we went to teachers markets um, and I had a 
tablet set up uh, with a sign-up form and people could give me their email address. We had the sample there that they could look at and as soon as our Kickstarter went live, we would let them know. That was literally our marketing for, for the Kickstarter. But we got really lucky that there was just someone at this teacher's market who really fell in love with the product and she happened to be the head of a not-for-profit um, in Perth, where we're from, that was really sort of in touch with the teaching industry and uh, she spooked it for us. Our Kickstarter went, it went live and I reckon probably 60 to 70% of our backers came from her. There is an aha moment here in that I a, a theme I have noticed is early on in a, a business's uh, life where you're, you're in that stage where you're trying to get traction and you're just trying to get people to hear about you and care. Going to physical events is one of the shortcuts. And what's smart is like if you're going to go to a physical event, be that like a, a farmer's market, you know, uh, a, a a sporting event, like whatever it is where you could put out a table and sell your wares like straight old school merchant style, put an iPad and run a newsletter sign up on that, that iPad or tablet or whatever, or, you know, have a clipboard that works too. Um, because that really, uh, a, a pretty tremendous way to get that initial traction when you don't know where to go online. Like you don't know what those watering holes are. You haven't figured out Facebook yet. Like it's a lot cheaper to go get a folding table and go to a farmer's market or flea market or whatever event you could get yourself to and, and show people the thing. You get a lot of impressions and eyeballs and you could talk to people and tell them about it. It's really quite effective. Yeah, I think the hands-on tactile, you could pick up the plush and squeeze it and feel how fluffy and soft it was, right? Like, I think it's underrated. If we could have something pop out of the screen and they could feel how soft our teddy was on the website, I think we'd convert it at a much higher rate than what we do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's always... You know, that's the thing. I think that's why people get excited in, in e-commerce over the idea of like augmented reality uh, or virtual reality for e-commerce because they're trying to bridge that, uh, that limitation where you can't, I can't see, feel, touch, smell, whatever it is, uh, the product. We get the Kickstarter going. You put it on the website. You're a, you get your, your product. You're able to fulfill it. Now you have that, that post-Kickstarter slump where, okay, now what? How do you keep that success going? What happens next? Um, I Googled, I think, something along the lines of uh, how to advertise my website. Um, and I, I just, yeah, I picked up a few YouTube videos and listened to a few podcasts and taught myself how to do Facebook marketing, um, just using photos that we'd taken and photos we'd had from our Kickstarter backers to run ads, wrote a bit of copy. And uh, yeah, it was expensive to start, but uh, as I got better at it, it, it got cheaper and um, it just sort of built from there. Uh, so really, it sounds like with the Kickstarter, with the initial, you know, moving 125 orders, now you have your foot in the door. So you know, all right, I could start to throw money at this. And even if I lose some money in advertising it, I know, like now I, I've proven it. This is an idea worth pursuing. I'm willing to lose a little money at it up front and spend my time on it because I know this could be successful down the road it's certainly working out better than the drop shipping store attempt it is and i had 900 blue plush teddies in my garage that i had to had to move so <laughs> i needed to make some space anyway so worst case even if i didn't make a profit we had to get rid of those oh i love that yeah there was another we talked to um moitza who said she was so great she bought all like all the stuff she was going to sh ship and she had not it, it hadn't even occurred to her to buy like boxes and shipping packing materials but her house was full of this stuff and so she said well i gotta sell it get it out of here 
The theory um, backfired though now because now the garage is is completely full of it, um, and now I can't park my car in there. So it kind of went the other way. And uh, yeah, that's you know it, it's a good problem to have. It, I assume it it probably won't be long before you you find yourself with uh, outsourcing fulfillment with like a three PL. So are you shipping out of your house right now? We are. Um, we're looking at getting a, a warehouse, but um, we've got a four month old, and my wife wants to continue to be able to work from home until. She's a bit older and um, goes to sort of daycare or whatever that is. So once that's happened, then we're going to get an offsite warehouse, but we're not going to go to a 3PL. We've looked into it a few times, but we now do custom products and things like that. Um, and we have like custom boxes that we've designed that sort of are also a resource that teachers can use. So then having to get a 3PL that will ship with our boxes that we've custom printed on and make custom products like stamps with the teacher's names on it and stuff, it's just not practical for a 3PL. So um, I can't see us ever actually switching to that. So we went from... We went from winging it to, look, we're too good for a 3PL because we got custom everything. Uh, we're just complicated. We're not too good. We're just, you know. <laughs> All right. Complicated. That's a better word for it. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it sounds like you're using Facebook advertising is how you were able to continue the success. Yes. It's uh, really the channel that's worked for us nonstop. I've tried Google advertising and had limited success um, with that. Um, and given all the Facebook changes and stuff, I'm scrambling to uh, to try and get a, another channel of marketing that's going to work for us. But um, I guess that's our challenge at the moment. The, well, probably, you know, if you could get organic content marketing to work, like you're a writer doing like a whole bunch of really big, like a, a few 2000 word articles on these classroom management ideas. That's probably how I'd go about it. It's like you're reading my mind, Kurt. Um, it's what I've been working on for the last probably two weeks. I've just put together a content plan, um, learned how to do some keyword research. I'm uh, writing some myself, but I've also hired uh, off Upwork a couple of writers so we can start pumping out sort of four to five blog posts a week. And uh, I'm gonna, I've got a budget set aside to give that 12 months and, and we're going to see how that goes. And this is to add you know, an additional channel, more of an owned channel. Like I don't know that we can necessarily say that you own Google results, but you're not paying for the traffic uh, per click the same way you are with, with Facebook ads. How has uh, Q4 of, of 2021 been for you with Facebook ads, with the, the iOS privacy changes? Yeah, it's been a challenge. Um, we actually brought on a marketing company um, right about the start of Q4 as well. Um, so um, not because of the, the changes, but just so that I could have time to focus on other parts of the business. I thought we were at that point. Um, so we work both of us, uh, me and, and uh, Toby's the, the guy's name. We're trying to work through those challenges, but we're really coming up against a bit of a brick wall. Um, it's it's working okay, um, but we're just not seeing um, the, the massive spikes that, that we were seeing this time last year. So you were previously the Facebook ads worked, it sounds like significantly better for you. And now they're still working, but not the same. Yeah, so um, obviously it's hard to measure the, the ROAS, and I listened to your uh, episode the other week um, talking about how we should be measuring. Media efficiency uh, ratio, yeah. That's the one. Um, I just call it money in, money out, but uh, media efficiency ratio is, is probably better. Um, yeah, so I've been tracking that. I use a tra app called B Profit um, Tracker on uh, Shopify, and just that just measures that for me um, in the back end pretty seamlessly. Um, so, yeah, but previously we were you know, seeing like a six row as um, we're probably seeing more like a three to a four now. So it's definitely been a significant drop. Um, it's, I think it's just because it's hard on an ad by ad basis to know where I should be tweaking and where, where I should be spending the more money. And um, you know, off the back of listening to that recent podcast of yours, we're making some changes there as well. So yeah, he had, he had some good advice. Uh, let's see. 
Well, you mentioned B Profit, which is this this profit tracker, profit analytics app that has uh, 4.9 stars and 200 reviews, which is no easy task. So clearly, this this app is good. There's their free plug. What uh, are there any other apps that you like in your store? Uh, I have a few that I use. Um... Not to step on your sponsor's toes or anything, but uh, Candy Rack Upsell is probably our favorite app in terms of getting the upsells. Um, it just works with our multi-currency uh, app seamlessly, so that's why we went with that one. But um, really good for, I guess, upgrading customers to the to the bundles as well as adding uh, offering the upsells. Uh, works for us really well. And then reconvert for some post-purchase um, cross-sells or upsells is a really good one as well. They're probably the two main ones that we use. Of your... I've been thinking a lot about cross-sell strategy. Of those, which placement do you think works the best? If I had to just pick one. Um, I actually, I've tried a few. Pop-up doesn't seem to work for us for some reason. I'm not sure why. Um, So literally just the top of the screen embedded in the thank you screen um, is the one that converts for us. Um, It just seems to work. I'm not sure why, but that's the one. Interesting. And do you do Mm. like cart, cross-sell, checkout, post-purchase? So we do the um, add to cart pop-up. So that's where it'll offer them to switch to one of our everything bundles that has all of our accessories um, included in it, which oh, once we implemented those, that was a massive winner. That's uh, a true one bu- upsell strategy. Yeah, one button and it just adds all of the accessories to it. Um, a customer asked us for it. We hadn't had it before. Um, honestly, our attach rate went through the roof once we added that. Um, and then we do a post-checkout. We sell our digital resources. as a, If they haven't already purchased it, we offer them at half price. But being a digital product, no cost price. Um, that's been a huge winner for us as well. Oh man, you sell digital products too. Mm, the printable worksheets, classroom posters, all that sort of stuff. Oh, um, uh, they're pure yeah. profit. Pure profit. They're like ninety nine percent profit. That's what's so brilliant about info products. And it works really well. We probably have about a fifty percent attach rate overall. Give it the combination of the half price ones after checkout and the um, purchase with the initial product. Um, half our customers purchase that digital product as well. Well, and it works so well for what for this product and for the audience because if i'm a teacher and you say hey you could buy this this digital re- these worksheets right like these are like they they hand out the worksheets to their students right mm-hmm. yeah so you're all they see is hey you just saved me a bunch of time and i look like a hero to the the students and administration like for a small fee i get to look better at my job and be better at my job like that's what's so brilliant when you could sell a worksheet like that in a digital product to the right person and then on top of it, the profitability of the order goes through the roof. Yeah, and the, not to get too deep into our strategy, but the best bit about it is when we add a new resource that a teacher's requested to that pack, we send it out as a free update to every person who's purchased it before. And in that email with the update, it's just a little link to leave as a Google review. And uh, we get we get reviews you know, 10 at a time or whatever it is whenever we send out one of those updates, which is a couple of times a year. So that's Oh, that's really clever. It. Yeah, works really well. Whoa, okay. I need... Actually, I have a, a, a friend who does a lot of info products. I'm going to share that, that info product tip with her. The Okay. Uh, well, other apps. Because so far, we, we've got some winners here. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking through it right now. So we've got digital downloads, obviously, which is great free app by Shopify for sending out digital downloads. Um, that was one of the original apps, too. The things, And it just works. It we've just got works. that running in a seven-figure store. Yeah, right. I mean, my wife would love if it let people go in and resend their, their download links to themselves. That's her only complaint. She does a little bit of admin uh, for that, but uh, otherwise it runs perfectly. Um, and that is, oh, Clavio, um, obviously. Um, that's it. 
that's everything we run. Of course. Uh, favorite Clavio flow? Um, yeah, Banner Checkout. You can't go past a good Banner Checkout flow. For sure. A Banner Checkout. And I bet for you, a Welcome series probably does pretty well. Yeah, uh, it does does really well, actually. Um, we have a free poster pop-up. Um, it's just uh, actually during COVID, we had a, a poster made up, how to wash your hands properly, um, but with the monster. Um, so the blue hands or the purple hands. And we offer that as a freebie to, to get the email address. Um, I don't know what a good conversion rate is for, for you guys, but um, but we convert that at about 20% um, for an oh. email address. And, no, that's yeah, great. And then, which it just... It just suits, right? The world we live in, um, a poster on how to wash your hands, that's cute, and they can just put up in the classroom. So that's working really well for us. Yeah, that's an, an easy win for sure. Uh, well, we're, we're coming to the end of our time together, but I want to know, you. this business uh, sounds successful. sounds like it's, it, it's taken off. You're in to uh, six figures now, and you're still working a full-time job. What's that like? Yeah, busy. Um, we... Uh, yeah, I do all my research and education while I'm on the road a lot for my job. So I do a lot of podcast listening and, and that sort of stuff while I'm driving. Um, get home, we put the kids to bed um, and then we, we sit down and we work for, for three hours most nights. Um, yeah, that's how we get it all done. Um, my wife packs the orders and ships all of that stuff during the day, schedules social media posts and all that sort of stuff. And then uh, at night we <clears throat> work together on whatever it is we're working on. The... You know, uh, when my wife and I have to do something together for her business, that's we take the same approach. All right, th- it's the evening after dinner, the four-year-old's in bed, the older kids are, are busy doing I don't even want to know what, and then, you know, we'll we'll sit down and, and work on stuff for a few hours, uh, usually with a glass of wine in hand. How has it been having your wife as a business partner? Better than expected, um, and hopefully she doesn't listen to this, but she probably will. Um Really good, um, honestly. Like um, we work. I mean, we got, we got married and we, we managed to run a household together. So I guess it it just follows that we'd be able to run a business together as well. Um, it just our, comp- our skill sets naturally complement each other. Um, I'm the techie guy who does all the, the marketing and the writing and the website, and she's very hands on and very good at product quality control and um, talking to customers and shipping orders and all of that sort of. She's got that very structured approach to everything that that organized approach that that you need to have to run all of that side. So it really just kind of naturally worked. We never sat down and assigned roles or anything like that. And we just kind of fell into it. And we, again, we got lucky. (laughs) Yeah, certainly, you know, I'm sure it could, it could go horribly awry and blow up in your face, but from, you know, the, the couples I've talked to, it seems to work pretty well. Like you've got this, this common, like suddenly you have this, this common goal that benefits you both equally and uh, it often works out pretty well. Like, I think it, it, it probably works better than most people would realize. Yeah. I think um, the only drawback is date nights become strategy meetings. <laughs> so apart from that, it, it, yeah, it's really it's great. It's true. Inevitably, like when we go out to dinner, it's, it's some usually like between dinner and dessert where we end up start talking uh, marketing yeah, and strategy. 100%. Unavoidable. Uh, okay. What... What's next? What is next for your teacher's pet creature? Uh, so I think I mentioned at the top of the episode, but we're launching our third book early next year. So that's officially written and illustrated. Um, that's on social skills. So um, we've taken a bit of a different tact with this one. We've actually got two pets together. Um, they both only have one wing each and they have hands Velcro together. And they have to work together to fly. That's the story. Um, it's a little bit cute. 
Um, yeah, and the, the initial feedback from our customers in our in our community group is that they're very excited for it. So we're hoping it's just going to add another element. We've doubled revenue year on year, and we're hoping with this product that we're going to be able to double it again. And uh, yeah, that's that's the third and final book um, that covers the real the major curriculum for early childhood, the social emotional learning curriculum. And then uh, we've got other products that we want to launch as just accessories, add on products. There's a whole list. I've got a whiteboard that's yeah longer than my arm with different products that we want to add to the to the website, we want to become the the one stop shop for social emotional learning resources for early childhood educators all over the world. And my final question: If mm. I'm a teacher, where can I get my own pet creature? Uh, www.yourteacherspetcreature.com. Um, uh, I'm not sure how many of your listeners are early childhood teachers, um, but maybe they uh, want to buy one for their kid teacher for Christmas. Um, I did set up a discount code as well uh tech nasty for 15 percent off uh, anything nasty. on the website wonderful jonathan denholm your teachers pet this has been fantastic thank you so much thanks for having me mate when you're creating your own e-com store sometimes competing just isn't enough kick your sales into overdrive with out of the sandbox turbo theme As the name would imply, Turbo is a high-performance-focused premium theme with great mobile optimization. Turbo's even got speed settings, sport, and ludicrous. Ludicrous mode predicts what page will be visited next and preloads the page in the background so your site becomes even faster. They've gone to plaid! Load time, speed, theme support, and great mobile optimization are all contributing factors as to why Turbo has a 100% five-star rating by customers on Out of the Sandbox. If blazing fast speed isn't a big enough rush, you can get the premium theme for 20% off. Use code KURT20, that's K-U-R-T-2-0 today at outofthesandbox.com unofficial, and you'll be off to the races. Try Turbo today with a 14-day money-back guarantee, but you're sure to be satisfied. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe up over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including links to sites we discussed, and maybe some details you missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors, so please support our show by supporting them. And thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at EtherCycle.com. Thanks for listening.